This is Dr. Chad Edwards, and you are listening to podcast number 65 of Against the Grain. What guy doesn't want to maximize their testosterone? Through using all natural and organic ingredients, men now have an option for a locally made paraben and sulfate-free shampoo, conditioner, and face wash. Not only does Dude's Manly products smell great, which drives ladies crazy, by the way, in a good way, they put a unique spin on their shampoo with it actually having a dark gray color because of the coconut shell charcoal that is used to remove the toxins. Dude can be purchased at the Tulsa Men's Shop and also online at www dudemanlystuff.com that's d-o-o-d manlystuff.com welcome to against the grain podcast with dr chad edwards where he challenges the status quo when it comes to medicine we get into hot topics in the medical field with real stories from real patients to help you on your way to a healthy lifestyle get ready because we're about to go 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 against the grain Hello, hello, everybody. This is the super tall Marshall Morris, and today I am joined with the most incredibly humble Dr. Chad Edwards. And Dr. Edwards, he believes that 80% of medical recommendations are crap, technically speaking here. He is a a veteran of the U.S. Army. He served in the U.S. Army. He is a board-certified family physician. He's the author of Revolutionize Your Health with Customized Supplements and the founder of RevolutionHealth.org. Dr. Edwards, welcome to the show. Man, it is good to be here. I'm excited for this topic today. You're you're already you're already teasing it. You've been you've been on a different level of excited since you've walked in today. You know this this topic right here. Okay, so let me let me kind of lay a little bit of foundation. Uh, this topic right here, I believe, is probably one of the biggest lies propagated in medicine for the last seventy years. Six at least sixty years. Biggest lies. Yes. One of the biggest. Yes, I believe this is a. Uh, a, a major load of crap. Uh, this is probably, if you know, I would make this public enemy number one of the pure crap that we've been fed and said that this is a problem and here's what we need to do about it. it and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And there's lots of evidence and there's absolutely no way to sum all of this up in one podcast. It's just not going to happen. But uh, I did want to give a little bit of an intro to this topic because, and it's something that I see so commonly um, so anyway, well, uh, let's see first, how many people is this effect? How much does this issue that this hot topic, who, who should really be paying attention right now? Who, who should listen to this? Well, I'll tell you everybody with a pulse, everybody with a pulse. Yeah. Okay. And All I, right. And let me give you a little bit of background on this. So, and it's going to, it's going to give out the answer of, of why this is a problem. So, um, my wife and I, I'll call, I'll call him my new son. So one of my stepsons. Um, 12 years old, went to his doctor for just a, a routine exam. And the doctor said, okay, well, we're going to check uh, for, for no reason. And there's, there was no medical problem. There was nothing going on. He just said, okay, well, let's go ahead and, and we're going to do, we're going to check your cholesterol levels. And my, my wife came home and told me that, that they were checking his cholesterol levels. Now you got to understand that, that this kid runs cross country. He's 12. He runs cross country. He's very fit. He's very active. His I mean, he's a 12-year-old kid. His nutrition isn't the best, but um, and he's not real focused on his nutrition, but he's, he's pretty fit. He's healthy. There's, there's nothing wrong with him. And they said, we're going to check your cholesterol levels. And I about flipped out. Why? Why would you check cholesterol levels in a 12-year-old? Why? And the, she said, well, I, I, I don't know. I said, if, if he comes back with elevated cholesterol levels, 
and they want to put him on a statin medication, then fire him. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how passionately I feel about this and how unbelievably uh, this is this constitutes medical rape as far as I'm concerned. Sure. It it asinine. Absolutely asinine. Why would you check a level on someone that you're not going to do anything about? And it, it means nothing in a 12 year old. I've had pediatricians tell patients, young, young kids that, oh, your cholesterol is a little bit high. We should probably put you on a statin. Are you freaking kidding me? What is wrong with you? So putting again, I can't, I can't even begin to go into all of this in one podcast. No, but the, the, this is great. This is this is sheer passion and the sheer uh, misconception and the misunderstanding of what is contributing to optimal health. And it's not just optimal health, but, you know, cholesterol being this hot topic of a series of podcasts that I can imagine that we're going to get into. So we're talking about cholesterol and why is uh, you talk about the pediatricians um, prescribing uh, statin medications. What is a statin medication for anybody that, you know, needs to be brought up to speed? Yeah. So that's a great point. So, uh, in order to answer that question, let me get into a little bit of biochemistry. I don't want to get too sure. geeked out on it, but, uh, basically your body, in, in fact, uh, one of the papers that came across my desk today talked about your cholesterol in your body is a product of two things. What you, what you make in your body, what we call endogenous production, and what you consume in your diet or what's absorbed and then kind of what's reabsorbed. So your body is capable of making virtually all the cholesterol it needs. And we have a process you know, through which that's done. The rate limiting enzyme, meaning that the enzyme that controls the production of cholesterol the most, it's the rate limiting step. If that enzyme is up or if that enzyme is down, it's going to make the biggest difference in what is produced. And that enzyme is called HMG-CoA reductase. Statin, uh, a statin medication. So these are like Lipitor, Crestor, uh, and the and the um, generic equivalents, which are uh, Atorvastatin, Resuvastatin, Simvastatin, uh, all of those kinds of drugs. Um, those are HMG CoA reductase inhibitors. Those medications block or reduce the activity of that enzyme. And it's important to understand the biochemical effects of doing that, and this is something that very few physicians in this country understand. My understanding is that in Europe, they have a much better grasp of it and they manage their patients much more appropriately. Uh, and I'll get into a little bit of that. Um, and we may have talked a little bit about some of this. I don't, I don't remember uh, in, in previous podcasts, but uh, the bottom line is is these, these statin medications are medications that you take to block or reduce the activity of that enzyme, which in effect lowers your cholesterol. The theory is that when we lower your cholesterol, it reduces your risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, I've got multiple problems with that statement because I think that is yet another load of crap. And I think that's probably been one of the biggest lies that's been propagated in this country uh, for years. It is not cholesterol. There are other problems and cholesterol is involved with the process. And often in some patients, we see elevated levels of cholesterol or I'll say altered lipoprotein profiles. So your cholesterol levels, and you've got a few of them. You've got the quote, bad cholesterol, which is LDL or lip, uh, low density lipoproteins. And you have HDL, which is high density lipoproteins. So, the, but the interesting thing about this is when we say your cholesterol is elevated, but your good cholesterol, your bad cholesterol, cholesterol is a sterile molecule. 
and it's it's actually required for optimal health. There's a condition known as smith limley oppitz syndrome, and if you are homozygote abnormal, meaning both gene copies uh, from mom and from dad are abnormal, it's essentially incompatible with life. I'm not sure that I, I, don't, I didn't do the research for this part, particular part for the show, but I'm not sure that anyone has been born homozygote abnormal for, with smith limley oppitz but you can be heterozygote abnormal, meaning one copy is good, one copy is not. Those patients are virtually incapable of producing cholesterol and it's incompatible with life. You have to have cholesterol. You know, I, I think Dr. Perlmutter says that 25% of your brain volume is cholesterol. Cholesterol is the backbone for vitamin D. Your vitamin D is directly derived from cholesterol. It is the backbone for all of your steroid hormones. It's the backbone for aldosterone, which regulates sodium and water in your body, for cortisol, which is an essential hormone released from the adrenal glands in response to stress and you know does a number of things. It's the backbone for DHEA, testosterone. How many times have we talked about testosterone? Estradiol, estrone, all of those are derived from cholesterol. Cholesterol is essential for the what we call the fluidity of the cell membrane. Without that, you can't you can't have normal cell function. It's essential for bile salts. It's a backbone for uh, bile, which is part of how we absorb fats and those kinds of things. There's a guy named Dwayne Graveline. He was an Air Force astronaut, uh, Air Force flight surgeon, uh, and an astronaut. And he went on a statin and suffered what was called transient global amnesia, where he lost his mind. He couldn't, brain didn't work. Went off the statin, and specifically Lipitor. Um, it went off the statin and got, I mean, he, his brain function came back, went back on it again, transient global amnesia again, and came off of it again, and then ended up writing a book called Lipitor, Thief of Memory. So this is, when you, and when you listen to Dr. Stephanie Seneff's work on cholesterol, she thinks that, that statins, on, on, I said on cholesterol, it's on statins. When you look at her work, she thinks that statins are so poisonous that no one under any circumstances should ever be on them. I don't know that I'll go quite that far, but I think she's onto something there. When you look at the side effects that patients report, and so often, and I'm not, I'm not faulting any other physicians in this, uh, this is what I did. When I was practicing traditional medicine and I put someone on a medication or they were on a medication and they would come in and they would say, I've got a problem with this or my muscles are achy, specifically with this drug. What I did was drew a, a blood level, CPK, and I would look at that. I'd look at their liver functions because the statins can, you know, they they work in the liver on this uh, HMG CoA reductase pathway. And then I would check the CPK, and if that was normal, then I would say, well, your muscles aren't screwed up because of the statins. Your you know your labs are normal. Well, I'll reference you to episode number two, where we talk about normal versus optimal, what defines normal, these kinds of things. And then just because that lab is normal doesn't mean you're not having a problem. This is very, very simple. You come off the medicine, symptoms go away, you go back on medicine, symptoms come back. It's associated with the medicine. It's a scientific, uh, it's called Koch's postulates, K-O-C-H-S. Um, you can look that up. Maybe we should talk about that at some point. Um, but it, it, there's a there's an association there. You, you're on it, you have it. You're not on it, you don't have it. You can directly associate those two. There's a problem with that drug. That's not everyone but I see it commonly. The second reason, or this, you know, another reason that, I'm, that I, uh, I rarely recommend those drugs is because where they've proven to be beneficial is a much 
much lower percentage of the population than what uh, has been attributed. And we'll talk more about this in the future. But so the this cholesterol nonsense, I mean, it's just it's it's maddening. And so it's affected our diet. It's affected, you know, you're not supposed to eat eggs because there's cholesterol in that. That's bad. You know, cholesterol is like this toxic molecule that's going to cause you to blow up. And yet we put glyphosate in freaking wheat and say, that's OK. You know, eat all that you want. But something that's essential for our health, we, we got to put give you a drug to stop that. It's asinine. It's absolutely asinine. For for everybody that missed the podcast episode about glyphosate, um, the literally roundup that they're putting on your wheat, you got to go back a couple episodes and uh, listen to that. But that was, uh, you know, it's the same thing is, hey, uh, this right here has been proven to be a poison only to yield more uh, wheat or yield more product right. to be able to sell for for farms to sell. Right. Okay. But we're very completely comfortable because it's not uh, at the forefront of our view and our understanding. Right. But then you have something like cholesterol, which I would say by and large, most patients have no idea how cholesterol works. They just know that right. they've been told to stay away from it. Right. And uh, a lot of, uh, we'll call it marketing companies uh, for different big brand name food brands have come out with lower cholesterol products or foods right, or, right. or versions of it. Right. And so, yeah, yeah absolutely. We're, we're getting into a, a, a meaty, hairy topic. Oh, this, yes, absolutely. And the thing is, is it's just, you know, I was looking up, um, you know, I, I love the concept of, and I say this all the time, you know, in 1984, not in 1984, in the book, 1984, <laughs> uh, George Orwell talked about this, you know, the, the concept of two plus two is five. And it's illustrating the point of you hear a lie often enough, you begin to believe it. And at, at some point we'll go into the history of the diet heart hypothesis how uh, Ansel Keys started this whole thing in the 1950s, how initially he was laughed out of the room. Uh, he formulated what was called the seven country study. Uh, it's just this, it was basically a lie. It was a misrepresentation of incomplete data and he sold it as the truth. And it was a political shift that allowed him to gain a foothold with uh, propagating this stuff forward. And then you skip forward to the 1970s where, um, uh, I think it was McGovern. Um, Senator McGovern was in charge of the committee on uh, food and all those things. And they came up with dietary recommendations and the crap that they came out with with those recommendations, not based on science, that, you know, the saturate 10 percent of your diet from saturated fat and, you know, no more than 30 percent of fat in your diet and all that. It, it's crap. It's it is not founded in science. And then, you know, we look at the data that's coming out today is showing, oh, well, you know, maybe uh, maybe saturated fat's not as bad as we as we think. And we think this is cutting edge science. Well, I'm going to go back to a study that was actually published this year in the British Medical Journal, but it references a study that was conducted from 1968 to 1973. Interestingly, the data was never published. And I don't remember if we talked about this at all in a previous podcast or not, but um, what they showed, it was a randomized placebo-controlled double-blinded study and with like 9,000 participants. I mean, it's a big study. And we'll talk more specifically about this study. But um, 
I'm just going to quote this. In their conclusions, it says available evidence from randomized controlled trials shows that replacement of saturated fat in the diet, which is what Ansel Keys talked about in the 1950s. Uh, so if we replace saturated fat with linoleic acid, it effectively lowers serum cholesterol. So again, oh, it lowers cholesterol. That must be good. Well, who cares about your, um, do you care about your cholesterol level? I, I don't know what my cholesterol level is. Well, should you care? I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm trying to learn here today. If if we polled the population, how many people do you think would say, yes, I care about my cholesterol? I think a, a large majority. And why? Why do you think we care about cholesterol levels? Do we care about cholesterol levels or do we care about something else? Uh, I think we only care about cholesterol levels as a society because uh, because going back to that, you know, these big brand name food, you know, distributors have come out to market low cholesterol uh, products, right? Because, and they came out with that because they saw it as a fad. And so it just perpetuated this, Hey, cholesterol, uh, does X, Y, and Z to my body. Then, you know, I might as well, you know, choose a healthier option. Right. You know, well, and, and how many doctors, over the years have said, don't eat eggs, it's bad for you. Don't eat saturated mm-hmm. fat, avoid that red meat. That all causes heart disease. You're gonna have a heart attack if you eat that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you eat uh, time from what, 1984 or something like that, had the uh, the two eggs and the bacon underneath it and was like, this crap's bad for you, don't eat this. And it's just a load of crap. It's not founded on science. And uh, so it just gets over decades. We've been told this over and over and over again. And it's a it's a pure load of crap. So, um, so here, they're showing that saturated fat, you know, re- replacing it with linoleic acid lowers serum cholesterol. And I would argue that people couldn't care less about their cholesterol level. They care about their risk for dying of a heart attack or a stroke. We've been, we've been, I would argue we've been lied to that your cholesterol level predicts your risk of heart attack. And I would argue that that's a load of crap. Going back to the 1940s when they started the Framingham study, the evidence is not solid. Um, and we'll go into that in future podcasts. Uh, let me finish this, and then we'll go to break. Um, so the, the, replacing with linoleic acid lowers sodium cholesterol, but does not support the hypothesis that this translates to a lower risk of death from coronary arteries or all causes. Findings from the Minnesota coronary experiment add to the growing evidence that incomplete publication has contributed to overstimulation uh, of the benefits of replacing saturated with fat with vegetable oils rich in linoleic acid. Again, it's a load of crap. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. I can't say it enough. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll learn a little bit more about what maybe is the underlying truth here about cholesterol. Are you tired and fatigued? Are you frustrated with doctors because they just don't seem to listen? Do you want to fix your pain without surgery? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then we are the clinic for you. We offer prolotherapy, PRP or platelet-rich plasma therapy, and stem cell injections, IV nutritional therapies, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and functional medicine to get you back on track to optimal health. Call our clinic at 918-935-3636 or visit our website at www.revolutionhealth.org to schedule your appointment today. Okay, we are back with Dr. Chad Edwards, and we are talking about cholesterol, one of the hottest topics that we've covered, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, cholesterol, you know, it fe- affects everybody that's listening, everybody with a pulse, as you said, and it's such a crucial part of every day. It's required for yeah. human life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, but 
maybe not everybody understands how it works. And so I want to just maybe take a step back and maybe you can walk us through why, you know, the the belief that cholesterol does affect the likelihood of a heart attack or a heart disease it started somewhere so yep. maybe you walk us through what is uh, commonly described as the relationship with cholesterol and the the human body what it does for the body well i can tell you that from my experience as a physician what i heard for years and years and years was that high levels of cholesterol are associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease. In fact, I wrote a little, uh, I called it my smart book and it's, it's probably 200 pages that I, I mean, it's, it's a very useful tool for me as a physician. And, um, I basically, I took the data from, you know, something like the, uh, surviving sepsis campaign. It was an article ICU kind of stuff about really sick patients. And, uh, there were a bunch of bullet point where there's a bunch of stuff in this thing and you got to follow these metrics. So I just distilled that down into a one page list of bullet points and I put it in this book and this is this is how you, you know, if you got sepsis, follow these criteria. It's, it, it's really kind of cookbook medicine. Not that that's bad. In acute care medicine, when there's, I mean, we, we have algorithms for how to deal with things and that's not bad, especially in acute care medicine. In chronic medicine, different story. Very, very different, what I call biochemical individuality. Your physiology is very different than mine. The same set of rules do not apply to you. And what I see in my clinic is patients that have been to thousands of doctors. They tried all these things. I still feel like crap. I still feel horrible. My doctor's not listening to me. They try this medicine. They won't listen to this. They won't. And, and they come to me because they feel bad. And it's because of biochemical individuality. And you have to understand biochemistry. You have to understand physiology. You have to understand pharmacology and pharmacodynamics and how it impacts each individual patient. And then you also have to get into, um, you know, ancestral type medicine and you have to get into nutritional medicine. How does what we eat impact our health? How, you know, all of these kinds. Of, and it's very, it can be very complex. And I mean, it's, it's can be overwhelming at times, you know, even for me. And this is my, what I do every day. Um, so, you know, when we look at this, this cholesterol component, I think it's important to understand. So I, I've made some statements that were pretty strong that you've been lied to. That was probably the last one that we ended with. But so what gives me a foundation? I don't want to go into it deep, but I just want you to understand that there is a basis for this. And so this is from another uh, British Medical Journal thing. The conclusion from one study showed that high LDL uh, cholesterol levels is inversely associated with mortality in most people over 60. That means higher levels of LDL have a lower risk of death, lower risk of mortality in people over 60. How many people have been told that by their physician? That's a study, you know, a, a pretty, in fact, that was a, a, a review of 19 cohort studies. The data is all over the place in this, and you've been told that it's not, that it's cholesterol. Um, and again, we'll get into, into more detail. I'm, I'm afraid I got off onto a men, mental tangent. Go, let's <laughs> bring me back to where we're supposed to be going. No, 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 no. This is good because this is really setting the stage for a, a few of the podcasts that are to come. But uh, but go ahead and walk us through specifically the the, the function and uh, maybe how cholesterol is expected to affect the likelihood of cardiovascular disease. Yeah, so uh, they've basically what happened is when my understanding of the history is when when they did studies looking at drugs that were not statins uh lowering cholesterol so these were things like niacin uh fibric acid derivatives different kinds of medications and they gave them to patients with high cholesterol and they did in fact lower their cholesterol levels but it didn't change their death rate um there was the i think it was the improve it trial that looked at zetia which absorbed which inhibits the absorption of cholesterol in the gut or slows it and by itself it didn't make any difference 
and they thought, oh, this is going to lower cholesterol in people and it's going to make it. It didn't make any difference. Statins work by a different mechanism. They work by inhibiting HMG coeriductase. Now, I think we've talked about this before in another podcast, but three things are produced in that HMG coeriductase uh, uh, pathway. The first one is cholesterol. So we think that we give you a medication that lowers your cholesterol and uh, and it's going to lower your risk of cardiovascular disease. We've already shown that that's not true. Uh, there, there are multiple studies. Let me shit, let me rephrase that. There are multiple studies that would argue that, independent of uh, statins, the data just doesn't support it. You lower cholesterol, and you know it, it doesn't change things. In fact, one study shows a that patients presenting to the emergency department have a uh, that uh, are presenting with a heart attack. Half of them, fifty percent of them, have normal cholesterol levels. So, oh, well, of course, the response then is, oh, well, then we need to look for lower cholesterol levels. Going back to, you know, well, that lie wasn't good enough. We got to get deeper in our lie. You're not looking at the big picture, people. I mean, get out of the lie. Start focusing on what is it that's that's causing a problem. So the issue with statins is that they inhibit cholesterol production, but they also inhibit CoQ10. And I think that's where a lot of the uh, the side effects come in. And like I said, in Europe, they kind of have this figured out. Anybody on a statin whether you take it appropriately or inappropriately, if you're on a statin, you have to be on CoQ10 because your body is no longer capable of making appropriate levels of CoQ10. You have to have that stuff. It's a very important antioxidant and it's also important for energy delivery. You got to take CoQ10, you know, for the love of all that's holy, take CoQ10. But the last thing is that that uh, HMG reductase pathway also produces a chemical called GGPP, which activates a very, very inflammatory chemical called Rho. So when we inhibit HMG reductase, you're inhibiting cholesterol, CoQ10, and inflammation through this chemical called Rho. Uh, Chris Masterjohn has some amazing information, uh, done a lot of research into uh, these pathways. And that right there, the inhibition of this chemical called Rho, explains a lot of the benefit of statins. Statins do reduce the risk of cardiovascular events, but the effect is not nearly as big as we think. The, the effect has been proven uh, on, on low levels, but it's been proven in middle-aged men that have already had a heart attack, what we call secondary prevention trials. The trials that show consistent benefit are those, but the number needed to treat. In other words, how many people do we need to put on a statin to, re, you know, to, to have benefit to produce one heart, prevent one heart attack? Maybe the 12 year old. Uh, right. Uh, the, and I'll, I'll come back to that point in one okay. second, but uh, because it's an important point. Um, the, uh, I mean, you, you have, depending on the study, you're talking 80 to 120 people to prevent one event. These are high. It's not like you put three people on a statin and you're going to prevent a heart attack. It's not that we put you on a statin and we prevent a heart attack in you. The data doesn't show it. They're trying to, and then, you know, when we, when we see higher risk, oh, we got to drive that cholesterol down lower by giving them more statin. I think cholesterol is a surrogate marker. I think it's an innocent bystander. It's just sitting by, you know, uh, I, I didn't do anything. Uh, it's an innocent bystander or a scapegoat. Th- I think the issue is this this inflammation through which uh, the statins inhibit. And so the more we inhibit that, the lower risk for cardiovascular disease. But I think the effect of that is independent of cholesterol. So anyway, so going back to that point about the 12 year old statins are contraindicated during pregnancy. You cannot be on those medications during pregnancy. Why is that the case? Because cholesterol is essential for life. You have to have it, and it's going to screw up the the fetus. Can't I mean th- this doesn't make sense. This doesn't. This isn't optimal physiology. 
did I answer the the question where you were wanting to go with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what would you say about? Uh, I feel like a lot of patients are told, "Hey, stay away from the, from the cholesterol. It's going to block your arteries." Yeah. So the there are multiple uh, studies. In fact, there's one that came across my desk today. Why dietary cholesterol is no longer enemy number one. And there's three points that they um, that they um, that they made. Uh, well, there, there's actually a, a few. When you look at uh, a high cholesterol diet, um, let's see, uh, first by examining the effects of high cholesterol diet on the level of one of the main cardiovascular risk factors, LDL cholesterol. Well, again, I'm, I'm not convinced that LDL causes heart disease. In fact, in patients over 60, it's inversely proportional. So it goes back to, you know, what's the foundation of this? Uh, I, there's not a solid biochemical mechanism for 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 this, uh, and, and there's just study after study that shows there's just not a strong correlation with this. There, some in some studies there may be some some suggestion, but I I don't believe that the evidence is um, is solid. On one of the papers that I read today on um, that on it, specifically it was on butter and that saturated fat piece, uh, they had three. Uh, foundations. And the first one was butter is not necessary for maintaining good health, so they don't consider it a health food. Second, butter is one of the foods with the highest saturated fat content and consuming on a regular basis promotes an increase in blood cholesterol levels. So if you presume that saturated fat increases cholesterol and cholesterol causes heart disease, then you, then their theory is that you can infer that saturated fat causes heart disease. But this, you know, this Minnesota coronary uh, study that was published in, in the British Medical Journal suggests that's not the truth, that while they lowered cholesterol, I think it was 16 percent, it actually they actually had a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. So th the studies on that independent of statins, the studies on the cholesterol stuff is just the, the data is all over the place. There is no consistency. I can't make a good recommendation to someone to lower their cholesterol and it's going to prevent their cardiovascular disease, independent of statins. So it, is there some is there something else and maybe this is a, a follow up podcast episode, but is there something else that maybe cholesterol is taking the fall for? Absolutely. And I think it's I think it's really three things. Inflammation, oxidation and glycation. Glycation is blood sugar, uh, you know, attaching to it attaches to LDL. Uh, that um, that that compound, that chemical that or that molecule that carries cholesterol, fats, those kinds of things, um, when that becomes glycated, it's pro-inflammatory and and oxidizes. So now you have a molecule that's glycated, that's oxidized and inflamed. I think if you want to lower your risk of cardiovascular disease, one of the best things that you can do is optimize your blood sugar levels and an insulin sensitivity do anything you can to reduce overall inflammation. That goes into nutritional medicine. If you are eating foods that are pro-inflammatory, you know, we talked about glyphosate, we talked about gluten, and I'm not trying to vilify them 100% for this, but if you are eating a food that causes some inflammation on an individual basis, and it's causing some inflammation, and that may be any number of things. It could be dairy for some people, it could be uh, they've got a food allergy to something, and that's causing inflammation, that inflammation is affecting all of this, which increases your risk of cardiovascular disease. Um, if you've got you know uncontrolled allergies independent of nutrition, 
anything that's causing inflammation, it's a shotgun effect. And so it affects a lot of things. And then oxidation. You know, when you look at marathon runners, they have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease than shorter duration. You know, if you run 5Ks or 10Ks every weekend, that doesn't seem to have the same correlation. Rob Wolf talked about that on a recent podcast um, about, um, you know, the what they've seen. It was a study that he was quoting where it, when you get up into the marathon level, it's because of oxidation. You are it's a very aerobic exercise. You're breathing a lot of oxygen. And every time you breathe oxygen, you create oxygen free radicals. Those free radicals are oxidative and you need good levels of antioxidants. So when you're looking at trying to prevent cardiovascular disease, I would argue that and I'm, I'm basing this not on a ton of randomized placebo controlled double blinded studies. I'm I'm um, I'm making this statement based on looking at the biochemistry, looking at all of the studies that are out there, trying to weed through all that and say, what's the truth without big pharma coming into my backyard and saying, well, this is how you, it's almost like the devil sitting on your shoulder telling you what to think. And without that influence, it's inflammation, glycation, and oxidation. You want to prevent cardiovascular disease, focus on those three things. So reduce inflammation, reduce oxidation, and reduce glycation. Inflammation is affected by statins. And I, again, I, I, I do not think statins are the solution for everything. I think they are far more problematic than we think. Uh, but they are beneficial for some patients. Boom. So as we get into it, we are talking about cholesterol. This is really kicking off a series of podcasts to come and it's going to be exciting. I feel like, I feel like maybe moving forward, I need to, uh, just maybe plug a couple, you know, a couple claims that maybe get you fired up during the podcast, because I don't know if you're excited enough about this one. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is just one that gets me fired up. No, th- that's great. And I know that all of the listeners, this affects everybody uh, that's listening here. And so if they want to learn more about uh, the different things that we're talking about on the podcast, uh, where can they go? Well, there's, I've got information on my website, revolutionhealth.org. Uh, there is a plethora of information on spacedoc.com. That's spacedoc, S-P-A-C-E-D-O-C.com. Uh, and that's Dwayne Graveline's uh, website. Uh, Dr. Stephen Sinatra is a cardiologist. Uh, he's got a book called The Great Cholesterol Myth. Um, Stephen, I think it's Kendrick, has a book. Uh, Malcolm Kendrick has a book called The Great Cholesterol Con. All of them reference the studies. They reference the data. Uh, and... Uh, it, they are going against this mainstream that cholesterol causes cardiovascular disease. Lots of information out there. For everybody listening, make sure that you check out revolutionhealth.org. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and download uh, the, the most recent podcast at againstthegrainpodcast.com. Dr. Edwards, thank you for, so much for joining us. As always, thanks, Marshall. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast with Dr. Chad Edwards. Tune in next week where we'll be going against the grain.